Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question, how do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled, Saving the Good Wine for Last. Before I begin, I want to shout out both Syndicate Strategies and The Catholic Company, my two faithful sponsors. If you're interested in learning more about both of them, I firstly invite you to check out Syndicate Strategies at sinstrat.com saints. Syndicate Strategies is a marketing agency run by two Catholic business partners. They could help you create a great website. So check them out at sinstrat.com saints. Then I want to shout out the Catholic Company. They are your one-stop shop for resources that are going to help you grow in the Catholic faith. From rosaries to books to statues to clothing, they have it all. If you're interested in buying something off their website, use code Gotta Be Saints Today for 15% off your order. That's code Gotta Be Saints Today, all one word, for 15% off. The Catholic Company, because faith matters. Happy third Sunday of Advent, friends. On today's episode, I want to talk to you about Scripture. I want to talk briefly about the second reading that we heard on Sunday and then reflect on the wedding feast at Cana. As I said, today's title is Saving the Good Wine for Last. If you're like me, you enjoyed seeing the rose vestments on Sunday. It's always beautiful to see how the church calendar works. It really prepares us for all the different seasons that are coming. And right now we are in this Advent season. We are in preparation for Jesus Christ to be born in a manger. And we just celebrated Gaudaute Sunday, which means rejoice. And if you look at the second reading, we read from Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Friends, we're called to be joyful. We're called to rejoice. And I think for many of us, the amount of rejoicing that takes place in our lives can vary based on the joys and blessings currently going on in our lives or based on the hardships. When things are good, we find it easy to thank God for our many gifts and blessings. And yet when things are challenging, we sometimes want to look at him and say, I have nothing to be thankful for. I have nothing to be happy about. And I want to reflect today, especially On the wedding feast at Cana, a scripture verse that I think has the ability to get you and me to think outside of this frame of mind, to maybe, just maybe, think a little bit more about the gifts that we've been given and maybe just be a little bit more thankful, hopefully to rejoice a little bit more. Because I think that God, in his infinite goodness and wisdom, wants to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. And I think part of that preparation involves being thankful for what we have and what we will receive down the line. Having that anticipation, that joyful, hopeful anticipation. So like I said, I share that verse with you, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. I share that because I think it's important over these next two weeks to really dive into that gift 
and to dive in to this season. And then, as I said, I want to talk to you about the wedding feast. So before anything, I think I should read that passage. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first. And when people have drunk freely an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this at the beginning of his signs in Canaan and Galilee, so to reveal his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. A beautiful passage, and naturally as I am reading the wedding feast at Cana, my glass of water has turned to wine. Just kidding, it was always wine. But here I am reading to you this passage. And for some of you, you might be wondering, why are we reading about the wedding feast at Cana when we are preparing for Christmas? If any of you know or have been married or engaged or whatnot, you know that there is a waiting period in that. I am currently engaged. But this passage, I think, speaks even better to single people than it does to married ones. And I want to share about that. Before I keep going, I do want to say that I have a bad cough. So if I start coughing, I apologize for that. <clears throat> so as I was saying, this great passage has a really special place, I think, for people who are single. Uh, as, as it does for people who are married, engaged, or you know, in any state of life. But there's something special here. So let's let's just break the passage down and then I'll hit on my, my big points. So firstly, we're at this massive wedding. It's got to be big because they had the ability to invite Jesus and all of his disciples. Look, usually at a wedding you get one plus one. And Jesus found a way to get 12. So all of his best friends are here and they're celebrating the bride and groom. It's a moment of deep intimacy. We get to see Jesus in a light that we usually don't. He had friends. He had people that he was close to outside of just his 12 disciples. He was normal. He was human and God. I mean, he was God and man. And this is his human side. At a wedding, celebrating, drinking. There's just great joy in thinking about our Lord having a glass of wine. At least for me, it, there's, there's something special there. But what happens is something that happens all the time at weddings or just big events in general. Something goes wrong. And usually, 
for these specific instances, there's someone there to catch these things. So as to make sure the problem does not persist or cause any sort of delay or real issue. Here, the problem is a shortage of alcohol. The bride and groom have accidentally not purchased enough wine. And of course, if you were here at a wedding in 2021, this would be a problem. People would react. The same could probably be said of then. It, was an, it would have been a huge embarrassment to the couple for people to realize there was no more alcohol to drink. But who is there to catch this? Naturally, it's Jesus' mother. Moms have this amazing ability to notice things that no one else does and then act on them, always looking to serve. And so the Blessed Mother knows a solution is in her midst, and she knows it's her son. And so she goes up to him and says, they have no wine. But Jesus looks at her and he says, woman, how, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. And if you've ever done any uh, Lexio with this or just research with this passage, you know that this is not Jesus talking down to his mother. He's not saying, what are you, what are you doing, mom? Stop bothering me. I'm trying to have a good time. No, no, no. This is Jesus in an intimate moment with his mother understanding that his mom is not just asking him to fix the wine shortage. No, this is her looking at him saying, it's time for you to reveal who you are. This is a big deal because at this point, Jesus has kept his ministry and his revelation of who he is seemingly to a very few a very small amount of people. And this act would, in fact, change that. It would open things up. And yet his mother knows that and says, do whatever he tells you. This is a moment where Jesus is looking at his mom and he says, Mom, you know what this means. And I don't think this is just, you know what this means, that the cat's going to be out of the bag, that I am special that I am the Messiah. No, no, no. This is more than just that he might be a prophet to these people. He's talking to his mom saying that once I make this action, everything goes into play. And the cycle begins. Once he has this public miracle, there's only one outcome, and that is the cross. And maybe the Blessed Mother doesn't fully know what this means, but she's been thinking about this ever since Jesus was a little boy, ever since she was there and asked to be the mother of God, ever since she was there having him in that manger, ever since she found herself at the presentation in the temple where Simeon speaks the prophecy to her, ever since the finding of Christ Jesus in the temple, ever since those 30 years of time with our Lord, she knew she was building up to find out who he was 
and who he needed to be for the people of Israel. And the Lord has been working on her heart for 30 years. And here in this moment, she realizes what is about to take place. His ministry is about to begin in a way that it has not been going before. And yet, being the mother she is, she continues to be docile and say yes. And what does that lead to? It leads to a transformation. These jars of water are turned to wine. And then, one of the best lines in all of scripture from the head waiter. Everyone serves good wine first. And when people have drunk freely an inferior wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Friends, I share with you this passage, and I said earlier in this podcast that this speaks well to single people, of course, also married people and people in any walk of life. But I said that because there's some real beauty here. For many of us in our lives, We've had things occur that transcended any moment before that. Maybe for you, it was the moment you got into that special college, or maybe it was your first love, or maybe it was your first job, or maybe it was your first child. We've all had these moments where we find ourselves in awe over the goodness of what has been put before us. And I think for many of us, in these moments, we find ourselves drinking that first set of wine and finding ourselves saying, this is as good as it gets. And there's there's something to be said about that. I think this is the mentality of rejoicing in the Lord always. You found yourself able to look at that moment and rejoice in it. And for that, I say, Rejoice. That's a beautiful thing. But I think for many of us, we eventually come down from that mountaintop. And it's hard because for every great opportunity, for every great moment, there's usually some suffering that follows not too soon after. That's the way of life. That's the human experience. And so maybe you found yourself at that school you've always wanted to go to. And then months later, you find yourself struggling through your first semester. Or maybe it's that first love, that person you thought you would marry, and they end up breaking your heart. Or maybe it's that first job where you just are so excited to be in the workplace, only to find out that the workplace is not as great as you thought it would be. All of these moments are tough because you find out the realities of life, that things are not always perfect. But this scripture passage, it it really provides us with two things to look at. Firstly, the answer to these problems is quite simple. The answer to those mountaintop experiences followed by the valleys, the answer is very clearly right there for you and me to look at. And that is the words from the Blessed Mother, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. In our lives, we are called to rejoice in the Lord always. But this is only made possible, brothers and sisters, when we follow those words of the Blessed Mother. Do whatever he tells you. We're called to full 
and complete docility. We are called to give everything over to him. And in that, it it's not promising us joy-filled moments. It's not promising us happiness in this life, but it is promising us happiness in the next. And the Blessed Mother, as you know in Scripture, it says, a sword will pierce your heart. The Blessed Mother felt the pain of what was to come to her son. And I bet you that in this moment, that pain was extra, extra strong because she knew that in this joyful moment, she was giving away her son in a way that she might not have been perfectly ready for. But she knows, as the mother does, she knows what's best for her son. And she says, do whatever he tells you. Because she herself has been looking to follow that advice since the get-go. And now she's in turn telling us the same thing. But then the story, like I said, has that other verse that we need to reflect on. Talking about the good wine being served first. No, no, no. This is the good wine. You've kept the good wine until now. Brothers and sisters, if you've hit that mountaintop experience... I want you to know that it only will get better. But it does not mean that it gets better necessarily in how things are going in your life. Maybe you're currently at a job that you love, and maybe in a few years you'll be fired. I don't know. Or you're in love right now, and it turns out that person eventually will not want to be with you. Or you found yourself in a relationship months ago, and it has been over and you've been struggling, there will be the reality that what you have right now could be taken away from you. Or maybe it's just your good health. I don't know. But I promise you that there is a better wine out there for you. And it might come in this lifetime. I think in many ways it will. But it also, if we live out faithful lives, if we live our life faithfully, I promise you that that good wine will come at the end when you meet our Lord in heaven. But when we look at this right now in our own lives, I ask you, anyone who's listening to this, to think about the good wine in your life that is coming and trust that it will come. In my own life, I, I like I said, I typically throw this scripture verse at people I know who are single. And this week, I talked to two or three of my good friends about their singleness. They were lamenting to me about the hardship that that is. And I told them, I can understand where you're coming from. I've been there. I was there just at the start of this year. But friends, it does get better if we trust. And now I find myself in a state of life that has brought me so much joy and happiness. I'm engaged. I'm getting married in April to the love of my life. I couldn't be happier. But I also am well aware that firstly, this isn't the best wine. Heaven will be the best wine, and that's the wine I'm looking for. I'm also aware that hardships will come. I don't know in what form, but they will come, and they will come often. And yet, I know that I can embrace those hardships, those crosses, because I have someone to embrace them with. And in turn, we have someone to embrace them with, Jesus Christ. And so I find myself 
looking at the words of the Blessed Mother, do whatever he tells you. And I find myself saying, yes, Mary, I will. And I also find myself looking at my life and where I am and saying, Lord, you are providing the best wine right now. Because all those moments in the past that I thought this was it, this was the best thing. Every time he's blown those things out of the water. And sometimes it's things, sometimes it's events in my life. And other times it's the simple revelations that maybe aren't so simple. Those deep, profound revelations that I get to experience when I find myself in front of the blessed Lord in the tabernacle. Those experiences are the things that are the good wine. When he reveals his heart to me in a way that I never knew was possible, when I open myself up to his goodness, his mercy, his love. And I hope and pray that for all of you who listen to this episode, you find yourself looking at your own life and looking at that wine that you're currently drinking and praying and hoping and trusting that God has an even better wine out there for you. And look, in every single way, our life should be filled with moments of rejoicing. I read a quote earlier today. It said that Jesus is not known, and that is why he is not loved. Jesus is not known. That is why he is not loved. That was blessed Conchita. I share this with you because I think that this is something that we can both look at during this Advent season and look at our own lives and say, how well do I know Jesus Christ? And when we really know him, we find ourselves loving him. We find ourselves adoring him. But there are so many out there, maybe including ourselves, who just don't really know him. And he deserves our love. He deserves our affections. And she goes on later on in that same quote. She says, one must manifest him, taste him, but more than anything, one must love him. Because love draws us closer to him. We have to be like him. We have to receive him in the Eucharist. And then outside of that, we must love him. Because in that love, we will be drawn closer to him. I hope and pray that each and every one of you can rejoice in the Lord always. And hopefully can say it again, rejoice. I hope and pray that each and every one of you can do whatever he tells you, can listen to the words of the Blessed Mother. And I hope and pray that each and every one of you who listen to this can find yourself looking at your own life and say, Lord Jesus, you continue to serve the good wine, and I continue to drink from it. Please, over these next however many days, these next 12 days, please dive into who he is. And take some time looking at the Holy Family, looking at their example, and being able to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I desire you, and I can't wait to be with you in this next life. And then trust. Trust that no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are, that he has a plan for you and will continue to serve the good wine. If only you trust in him. God bless you and have a great day.